I'm trying to get somewhere that's real and pure and true and eternal. Toby, can you go with your boy? Let's go. From the Lighthouse Chapel International, Apostle Joel Abobisa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. in the church <laughs> it's beautiful amen well it's good to be here good to see you wow. wow okay let's pray father we thank you so much for today and thank you for your blessing and your presence we thank you lord for what you're about to do. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will speak to our hearts, minister to us, Lord, change something in us and help us to do a little bit more. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Beautiful. You may be seated, please. Wow. wow. Great. We thank God for today. Last week I wasn't here because I was awake. <laughs> yeah, but I'm back. Amen. And I bring you greetings. Last Sunday I preached in a church in a town called Charlton in the UK. Yes. And you'll be there, right? Amen. So, um, I bring you greetings from there, <laughs> and greetings also from the prophet, yeah, because we were with him in meetings, and we finished, amen. <laughs> right, so um, we've been talking about, can't you do just a little bit more, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, so many different things there. Today I want to talk about David. David, can't you do a little bit more? Concerning David as an example of someone who, who did a little bit more. Hallelujah. So turn in your Bibles with me to David. <laughs> Do you know where to find David? Okay. I'll show you where to find David in just a moment. All right. Now... Chapter 7, I'm reading chapter 7, now I'm sharing from chapter 7 of the book, Can't You Do Just a Little Bit More? 
And 2 Samuel chapter 7 is the book and chapter. That's where we find David. Amen. Now, it came to pass, 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 1, it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. That the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth in within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Amen. Right? So, David is a king, King David. We all know King David. And he is um, famous for being someone who wanted to do a little bit more. Amen. And so we see how he was sitting in his house. The Bible says he sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. In other words, he was home and he was enjoying some peace. Do you see? Yeah. Now, rather than just be watching Netflix and just um, be chilling. <laughs> you see, I mean, not that there's something wrong with that, <laughs> but we're seeing how David was relaxing in his house. And the Bible says that he observed that God had given him rest from all his enemies. In other words, everything that was a battle for him before had been fought and overcome. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's an easy place. Well, maybe not so easy, but it's a common place where people come to where you do not have any immediate battle on your plate. Is there anyone who can relate with that? Yeah, you, you do not have any immediate challenge. By the grace of God, you have a job. By the grace of God, you're in good health. By the grace of God, your bills are paid. By the grace of God, there's food on the table. As a matter of fact, you didn't even finish the chicken from late last night, you get it, yeah. Because you are in a place where you're eating bread without scarceness. <laughs> it's a blessing in the Bible, right? It says, thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Yeah, it's a type of eating. When you're eating bread with <laughs> scarceness, there's not enough of it. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? Yeah, there's not enough of the bread when you're eating it with scarceness because it's like the bread has really struggled even to appear on the table. You get it? And, and 
the, before it, you, you are done with it, it is done with you. <laughs> you see, it vanishes before you are through with it. So it's a place of blessing that God sends his people and you find yourself there in the name of Jesus. Amen. So David found out or he realized that, you know, he had food on his table. He was in good health. You know, all his dreams and aspirations had come to pass. You get it. And, and you will get there. It's a place you can find yourself very easily. Amen. Amen. You find that what you are looking for, sometimes when you're looking for something, it looks like it's so far away. But in the day that God brings you into that thing, you, you find yourself, you know, right in the midst of it, even without notice. Do you see? Yeah. You find yourself suddenly right where you have been dreaming and wishing you were. Hallelujah. And it's true for anything, anything at all. And you find that God has blessed you to be right where you wanted to be. So expect to be there. Amen. You're going to have that car. You're going to drive that car. Yeah. Your green card issues are going to be resolved. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe now you can't easily get off and get on the plane and go and come and go and come. You know, because if you go now, it'll be one way. (laughs) But one of these days, you'll find that you just go and you come. And you just go and you come. Hallelujah. Because God has been good to you. Amen. All your battles are won. And God has given you rest from all your enemies. Amen. Yeah. You passed that exam. Yes, you passed that exam. You wouldn't even believe you have passed, but you've passed. Amen. So that was the kind of situation that David found himself in. And so the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within tents, or within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go. Do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Amen. 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 So Nathan could tell that David had something in his heart. And he could tell from the conversation that David, uh, David was having with him. David had called him and said to him that, you know, when I compare where I live with God's house, the difference bothers me. It bothers me that my home looks nicer than the house of the Lord. It bothers me that my house is decorated, you know, 
I have a beautiful lawn in front of my house. It bothers me that there are curtains and beautiful things around my house. And God lives in curtains. Do you see? And so Nathan said to him, do all that is in your house or in your heart. Amen. Amen. Now, the point is here that when God gives us rest or when we find ourselves at rest, when we find ourselves without any imminent battles, you know, what do we do? Do we also, like David, choose to do just a little bit more? Do we recognize even that God has brought us to a place of rest? Do you, do you recognize it that you are where you once dreamed to be? Do you remember the days when you longed to be where you are now? Do you remember the days when you wished you had a car? <laughs> Do you remember the days when you wished you had a car that worked? <laughs> Without issues. A car that didn't need so much faith to drive. Faith and prayers and confessions. I declare that as I go out, I will come in. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. A car that had an air conditioner that worked, that blew cold. Do you remember that day? The car where the heater worked, the heat would work and keep you warm. Do you see? Yeah. So the question is, when we find ourselves having come to a place of rest, you have your dream job. Do you see? Yeah, you have your dream job. You, you're not struggling. Do you get it? Yeah. And I know what I'm talking about because there are some of us who sort of like to, you know, we, we, we try to retain the identity of a struggler. <laughs> the, the image of a struggler. It's like you enjoy being described and associated with people who are struggling. You get it? Even though by the grace of God, God by his grace has lifted you out of that a long time ago. Is it true or false? When you used to go to the ATM and then you would punch the numbers and you were more obsessed with the receipt than taking the card out. <laughs> you know, you wanted to see the receipt, that little piece of paper that the, the machine would spit out. That's what you wanted to see. And then you would forget and leave the card in the machine because you, you see, and then when you left the place you'd be looking at the receipt and, and, and you forget that there are people behind you <laughs> who are waiting to use the machine 
and you still be there and you'll be calculating because it says that it, the balance is $7.31. Do you remember those days? Yeah. And you were just wondering, you know, because as it is now, <laughs> you have to buy gas, you have to buy lunch. So as for washing the car, it doesn't come in at all. <laughs> You're trusting God for the rain. <laughs> the Lord will wash your car himself for you. But God has lifted you out of that. God has lifted you out of that. Do you see? Yeah. The days when you thought buying fruits and vegetables, that's a waste. (laughs) Because fruits and vegetables don't fill. You need to buy a lot of rice. (laughs) Noodles, ramen noodles, and hot water, isn't it? Yeah. You see, but God has lifted you out of that place. So David saw that God had brought him to a place of blessing and a place of rest. You know, and a place of rest doesn't necessarily mean that you're rolling in millions. No, it's, we're just talking about a place of rest. You are enjoying peace and your life has come to a, a state of equilibrium and rest. There's nothing ruffling you. Do you get it? Yeah. Yeah. You can go where you want to go. You can come when you want to come. You can eat what you want to eat. I mean, generally things are okay. Do you you understand? So you see, a place of rest in life is a place that many of us can lay claim to. We can identify with it. We can say that we are at a place of rest. True or false? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the sort of place that David was at. And then he began to think, I can do a little bit more. I can do a little bit more. I know everything is okay with me, but is there anything extra? Anything else I can do? You know, that's when he called his pastor, Nathan, And said to Nathan that I see that I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Amen. So David tried And he wanted to build God 
a house. He said, I want to do a bit more. I, I want, nobody's asked me to do this, but I feel I can do it. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that that thing being in the heart of David pleased God. And God was very impressed with someone who wanted to do something which he had not even asked him to do. Do, do you see? God was very happy with David. And God decided to bless David just for thinking about doing a little bit more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, in fact, if we continue reading a little bit before we go to 2 Chronicles, let's stay with 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, and let's continue reading a little bit. So, in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 4, it says, It came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shall thou build me an house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me an house of cedar? In other words, he said, All these years I've never complained. Do you see? That's what God is saying. Now therefore, verse 8, So shalt thou say unto, servant, unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. So God was showing David that I made you a king. You see, I am the one who picked you from where you were and have placed you where you are. Now, some people don't recognize that. They don't realize that it is God who elevates people. That indeed, if things are working out for you, if you look like you're settled a bit in life, it is the hand of the Lord. Amen. You get it? So God said that, I picked you from the sheep coat, you know, I picked you from there and I placed you in front of my people. I picked you from walking behind sheep to walking in front of humans. Do you see? That's an elevation, isn't it? to be following the sheep to leading humans is a promotion. Amen. And God said, and I was with thee, verse 9, whithersoever thou wentest, everywhere you went, I was with thee, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name like unto the name 
of the great men that are in the earth. Hallelujah. So it's important that we attribute things to the correct source. Do you see? God said, I am the one who has cut off your enemies. I'm the one who has made things work out for you. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, I'm the one who has made things work out for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So he says that, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I'll plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own, and so on and so forth. Verse 11 says, And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. Hallelujah. Can you see that? Yeah. He's saying that I will make you a house. For thinking about me. God said, for thinking about me, that you will build me a house. Thank you. I am going to build you a house. Amen. And he said, the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. And I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. That means I will use men to punish him. <laughs> Do you understand that? Yes, and with the stripes of the children of men. So sometimes when you are going through some things, it's because God is using the rod of men. <laughs> and stripes of the children of men. But verse 15, he says, but my mercy shall not depart away from him. Do you see? Yes. My mercy shall not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. And thy throne shall be established forever. So all, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Amen. Amen. Right. So you can see that's a lot of promises and a lot of blessing released just for thinking about what else can I do for God? Considering that I've been blessed. Do you understand? There are times when you should be able to sit back and say that, look, this month I don't have any major bill. There's nothing unusual happening in my finances. Is there something I can do? Just a little bit more. Do you see? Is there something I can do? Is there someone I can support? Is there a course I can support? Is there something I can help? Is there an opportunity to give a little extra 
because I don't have any, it's not like you don't have bills. As for bills and things, if you want them, you can have them. <laughs> Do you know that? <laughs> yeah, if you want them, you can have them. Everyone can step up the cost of their living if they choose. Do you see? But you can decide where you want to direct it and say, you know, I see that God has blessed me. God has been good to me. Is there someone I can be a blessing to? Do you see? And these kinds of things, in the case of David, David thought about it concerning the house of the Lord. So how can I improve church? How can I make the church do better? How can I make God's house flourish, look better? Is there something I can do? And the Bible says God was so touched by it. Do you see? That he releases all these blessings upon David and tells him all of these things I'm going to let happen to you. Now go to the Second Chronicles chapter 6 and let's read that one. Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 7. Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 7. Have you found it? Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the... This is Solomon now, David's son. He is talking about, about how he came to get to build the temple for the Lord. Right? He says, Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the, for the name of of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, for as much as it was in thine heart to build an house for my name, thou didst well in that it was in thine heart. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son, which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house for my name. The Lord therefore has performed his word that he has spoken. Right? For I am risen up in the room of David my father and I'm set on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised and have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. Hallelujah. Right? So you can see that now Solomon, after he has built a house for the Lord, this is as the temple was going to be dedicated, then he was saying this, he was explaining. He saw that that blessing of building a house was a blessing that his father, you know, had actually come up with. It was his father's idea. It was his father who started it. Do you see? And then he said, God decided that it shouldn't be his father, but that it should be him. Amen. 
Yes, God decided that it shouldn't be his father, but that it should be him. So God can decide that some things, the father will not be able to do them, but you will do them. Are you getting the picture? Yes. So he said that God was, now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, for as much as it was in thine heart to build a house for my name, thou didst well that it was in thy heart. Do you see? So there are some things God is not even waiting to see them physically. But the fact that it's in your heart, do you understand? If it can just be in your heart, that it's in your heart, that's what you're working towards. It's something that you want. It's something your heart is inclined towards that thing. God sees it. You see, the Bible says God does not see as man sees because man looks on the outward appearance. If it doesn't show up on the outside, man cannot see it. But God looks at the heart. God is always scanning beyond human presentations and he's checking things out as they are in the heart. Amen. God's eyes are like an x-ray machine. <laughs> yeah. Do you see? Or any of these sophisticated medical machines that don't, they, they, they read what people cannot see. Are you getting the picture? Yes. Whenever you hear someone going for an MRI or a CT scan or something, it means that they are interested in something. What is going on beyond the eyes? Do you see? So you take a look at the person and he looks okay, but something is wrong with him, seriously. You get it? And they put him through the machine and they start to see a condition that cannot be seen with the eye. And God is like that. Amen. God sees the heart. And when God sees the heart, God rewards according to what he sees in the heart. Not according, man reacts. Man reacts according to what he sees on the outside. Do you understand? But when you are reacting to something you have seen on the outside, you are late. <laughs> do, do, do you understand? Yeah, you are late. But God has reacted a long time ago when the person was thinking about it in his heart. And meditating on it in the heart. Do you understand? Yeah. That must be how come Jesus says something like, if you look on a woman to lust after her in your heart, you have committed adultery already. You know, man is waiting to catch you coming out of the room. And then the man will now start to say, you have committed adultery. Oh, but Jesus, he registered it a long time ago. <laughs> A long time ago. <laughs> Do you see? Yeah, even before you met her. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you today? So, I want to encourage all of us to think always about the house of God. Let's follow David's example and ask ourselves, 
how can I do a little bit more? Because from every place, there's a little bit more that everyone can do. What do you think? Yes, I can attend more Basenta meetings. I can bring more people to my Basenta meetings. I can participate more in the Basenta activity. I can be part of the church in a deeper way. I can come, even, even something as little as coming to church earlier is doing a little bit more. Yeah, because it means what? Going to bed a little earlier. It means waking up a little earlier. It means leaving home a little earlier. It's doing a little bit more. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes, it's doing a little bit more in every area. And God looks at the heart. And when God sees the effort and the interest in doing a little bit more, God rewards it. And that's what, that's what Solomon was saying. He said, the Lord therefore has performed his word that he has spoken. For I am risen up in the room of David my father. And I am set on the throne. Because remember David said, God said to David that I'm going to make you a house. I'm going to establish the kingdom of your son. And now the son had risen and he had realized that he was enjoying blessings that had been pronounced on his father. Amen. He was enjoying privileges that he was enjoying because of the father's commitment to the Lord. And that's what he was experiencing. Hallelujah. So may you also experience some blessings from your father. Blessings that God has intended for the family that may not have happened in your father's time, but which will happen in your time in the name of Jesus. Receive that blessing. Amen. Now, I'm jumping to chapter 13 to talk about another person who also did a little bit more. His name is Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. Hallelujah. And you find him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. Ah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I tell you, these are very powerful exhortations and powerful words. Amen. Amen. Now, in 2 Timothy 1, 16, it says, The Lord give mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. So may you also receive mercy. Amen. Amen. Now, one of the things we are seeing, because in the case of David, we saw that God, one of the things God said he would do for Solomon is that he was going to show him mercy. Do you understand? So, you see God promising mercy. Do you see? God said to David that your son Solomon, if he messes up, I'm going to use people to correct him. 
Do you get it? Because all children who mess up must be corrected. <laughs> Do you understand? But the difference is that as for mercy, I'll never take it away from him. I will always show him mercy. Which means no matter what he does, he'll come through. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes, I will show him mercy. That's why you shouldn't follow Sol, uh, Solomon and say Solomon had 1,000 wives. So, yeah. Because you, the Lord may not show you. As, there may be no covenant for mercy. Jean-Jacques, there may be no covenant for mercy like that with your, with your father. <laughs> your father may not have done a little bit more. You see the thing. So, there may be no such covenant. Pastor Charles, what do you think? <laughs> You see the thing. So you shouldn't follow Solomon in that. Because the man had a lot of mercy hanging over his head. Do you see? Now, on the Sephora's 2, the Lord says, the Bible says, the Lord give mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. That's the man and his house. Everyone connected to Onesiphorus, God showed them mercy. Amen. Amen. And in life, you're going to need mercy. Because life and living it is full of mistakes and errors. Do you understand? It's full of, you know, wrong steps, wrong choices, wrong moves. There are so many of them. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. This is apart from the ways that seem wrong to a man. <laughs> you get it so there's enough roads that look like they're bad already there's that then you're going to add to that those that seem right but are wrong you need mercy you need mercy a lot of mercy the other day I was driving on the roads I think I was probably coming to church and I, I, I was just looking at everybody. So many people driving. I said, nobody is doing the speed limit. I said, not even one. Not a single soul is doing the speed limit. Yeah. And I saw that, you know, if judgment was to come upon us, you know, even the police officer would be tired. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like he wasn't there. He was there. He was there. That's what brought my attention to it. You know how sometimes they park, the road is like this and they park like that? And I could see that he, he was looking at all of us. He said, Sunday is a day of mercy. <laughs> yeah. All we like sheep have gone astray. I tell you, not a single soul is doing the speed limit. You see. But mercy, mercy is what we need. And I feel like life is like that. Because we make a lot of mistakes. And if God was to make us, you know, reap every seed we have sown. And everything we deserve should come to us. I don't think any of us will survive. The Bible says, Lord, if you mark our transgressions, who will stand? Do you see? Yeah. yeah. So when you see a proclamation like the Lord give mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. For, then he says, 
I mean, you should be interested in something like this and find out what did he do? Do you understand? And he says, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Hallelujah. Right. So this Onesiphorus is also mentioned here in the Bible for this specific reason that the Bible says that he refreshed Paul. Amen. Paul was in prison and here was someone who somehow refreshed him and brought encouragement to him. Do you see? Yeah. And I'm just reading the narrative here. It says, Onesiphorus did a little bit more, right? And he's mentioned for all time in the Bible. He's not mentioned for building a cathedral He's not mentioned for doing any of these big things, you know, but he's mentioned in the Bible for being a source of refreshment to the Apostle Paul. Are you getting it? Yeah. Now, in spite of everything that Paul had accomplished, he also came to a low place. Now he had been arrested and taken to prison. Do you see? Yeah. And he was there in prison at the mercy of the people who would remember to either pray for him or even visit him. Do you see? Yes. Then comes Onesiphorus who makes that commitment, you know, goes out of his way. In fact, if you read the story, it says that when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently. Somebody else would have said, I can't find him. Yeah. When I send Paul a text, he doesn't reply. <laughs> I called, he didn't pick up. Do you, do you see? Yeah. But a person who is determined to do a little bit more will always have the result. In the end. So he sought very diligently. Imagine someone coming into LA and looking for someone very diligently. What do you think or what do you expect such a person to do? He would be crisscrossing the city. He went to Long Beach, didn't find him. Came to Pomona, he didn't find him. He went to San Bernardino, he didn't find him. Then he went this way to Santa Clarita, didn't find him. He went downtown to LA. Didn't find him. He went to um, um, where? San Diego. Yes. I mean, just looking everywhere to find him. And he didn't find him. Palmdale. <laughs> hey, Palmdale. <laughs> that reminds me of something. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. Are you understanding it? The effort that Paul put at the Onesiphorus puts in to find Paul, do you see, has earned him mercy. Mercy. He says, the Lord show him mercy in that day. In that day. It's interesting that he doesn't mention any particular day, but there is that day. That day when mercy will count. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. And I pray that God will help us all to qualify for this kind of mercy. Are you understanding it? Yes. So, Apostle Paul is praising this Onesiphorus for his hospitality, his kindness, even his courage to associate himself with Paul, who was in trouble at that time. Do you get it? Yeah. And many times, ministry comes under attack. Do you get it? Many times, ministry needs people who stand with it, people who support it, even though it may seem to be embattled. Do you understand what it means to be embattled? It means it is engrossed, you know, in, in, in battling. It's fighting. And there are fights in ministry. Do you get it? There are fights in ministry. When someone is ministering, someone is a pastor, is a man of God, there are battles and fights involved. And you either join the aggressors or you join this group, this group that is courageous enough to stand with the man of God and to refresh him. Can I have an amen? Decide to become the refreshing kind. Are you understanding what I'm saying? There are accusations that come against ministers, that come against churches. Our own prophet has been a subject of attack for, especially the past two years, I think since the pandemic began, isn't it? Or even before that time. Yeah, and it's just one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And it's sad that during such a time, you find some people who choose not to associate with, that's when they choose to leave the church. Yeah, and they'll claim that it's, no, it's nothing to do with this or that or that or that. And just, I just wonder, your timing is very curious. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That at the time when we are in persecution and people are accusing us and so on. I mean, I told one brother who was leaving, had decided to leave the church at that time, you know. And I was saying to him, you know how it feels? It feels like your wife just was discharged from the hospital from having an operation. And when she got home you decided that you are divorcing her at that point. That's how, that's how this looks to me. 
You know, not that it's so strange that, you know, and you see, you shouldn't be surprised when people leave a church. It doesn't really, it doesn't really mean anything. It just, people do leave churches. <laughs> do you understand? Yes, it's not supposed to be the case, but that's what happens. It, it doesn't mean it's a bad church. No, at all. Many times, it just means, it says more about the people. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah? It says, in fact, the last few days, I saw a verse. Let me show you. Do you want to see it? Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, for it is impossible. Can you see that verse? It is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Can you see that? And have tasted of the heavenly gift. And, have, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Verse 5. And have tasted the good word of God. And the powers of the world to come. Then verse 6 says, If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Hallelujah. Now, what I want you to see is that it is possible for people who have, who were once enlightened. Can you see that? that it's the person who was once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, the anointing. Do you, do you get it? Because that's what seems to confuse people. You know, that how can such and such a person who is so anointed or who used to be so anointed or who was doing this and that or who was such and such a person in the church, how can he leave the church or how can he fall away? Then it means this and that. You know, then it, it starts to, they look at the credentials of the person and use that to cast doubt on the church because of who has left it. But you can see that according to the scripture, people who were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and who have tasted the good word, the good word, they have tasted the good word. That means the word there was good. Not that the word is bad. The word is a good word in the place, but people can fall from that place. Does it make sense? Are you understanding it? Yes. So, it's not so strange that a good thing is cast in a very bad light. And this same Apostle Paul, look at Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24. We're just about to close. So, Acts chapter 24. And verse 5. Okay, let's start from verse 1. Acts chapter 24. It says, And after five days, Ananias the high priest descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. Can you see that? Now, notice that he's an orator, someone who knows how to talk. 
Do you, do you understand? Now you have to, you must not confuse a person's talent for speaking with truth in what he's saying. Do you understand the difference? Yes? People know how to present things and say things. That's not to be confused with the fact that what they are saying is true. Truth is one thing and the skill of delivery is another thing. So this Tertullus, the Bible says that he was an orator and he informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him saying, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness. And that very worth, very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. <laughs> he is an orator. He is an orator. He is an orator. This is the introduction of his speech to, to the governor. He says that, look, by thee we enjoy great quietness. Right? And very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. <laughs> he said, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. He said, we are always grateful for all these marvelous things that we enjoy. Then he says, notwithstanding I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that, that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. In other words, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to bother you, you know. I don't mean to bother you, but I just need you to just spare me a small opportunity to speak a few words. So by this time, the Felix guy, he, he's, he's already done for. <laughs> Do you see? Next verse, he says, verse 5. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes who also has gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. Can you see the accusations? This is our, you see, from from our point of view, he is an apostle. This is our apostle Paul. From whom much of his writing is what we consider now and feed on as the word of God. Do you understand? Great person, anointed person, whose fate has fallen into the hands of a good orator. Someone who knows how to talk. And how to describe things. And how to put things. I mean, even you are impressed with him. 
Do you, do you understand? Yes. You're imp- impressed with him. Yes. Tertullus is his name. You get it? And he calls him a, a, he calls him a pestilent fellow. And he calls him a mover of sedition. Then he calls him a ringleader of the sect. He, he's calling the church. Paul the apostle, the pastor of the church, his other, the other rendition of the description of his work. He's a ringleader. Can you imagine somebody coming in and calling me the ringleader? <laughs> yes. Instead of calling me the pastor, they'll say I'm the ringleader. He said, he's the ringleader of the sect. Have you heard people calling us a cult before? Yes. So these are not new things. These are not new things. That is why you must not be moved by them and your faith must not be shaken by them. Do you understand? And this Onesiphorus, that that was the, the sort of stuff he was made of. Do you see, rather than join the accusers, you know, to whom Paul was a ringleader of a sect, to whom Paul was a pestilent fellow, rather than joining this group, he joined the group that refreshed him. Do you get it? He joined the group that, you know, visited him, he looked for him, he made him know that, you know, you are very important to me. And no matter where you are hidden, no matter where they have put you, I will search for you in Rome until I find you. Yeah. And he searched for him until he found him and visited him and encouraged him. I mean, what a refreshing he would be. What a refreshing he would be to the apostle when everybody is calling him a cult leader. Are you understanding it? When everybody is saying that he belongs to a sect, when everyone is is talking down on him, everyone is calling him a pestilent fellow. That's very, very strong. These are strong words. And they specially selected someone who would use the choice words. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee. That's a way of saying not to waste your time. (laughs) But notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee. I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency. A few words. Then he starts those few words are to call the man of God a pestilent fellow, a mover of sedition among all the Jews, right? And a ringleader of the sect. Do you get it? And this is how he was able to stir up things. So it's not very strange. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And all of us must have our faith anchored in a way that we are not moved by such things. Do you understand? Yes. 
when prophet lost his son, I heard that somebody had written on Facebook that it is when God leaves you. He says, when God's presence leaves you, then the angel of death visits you. Tetulos, Tetulos. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that somebody would say something like that and not only think it, say it, but write it and post it? No. That's why I don't live my life according to those things. I don't live my life according to what people say. I have been in this church for more than 30 years and I know what I have experienced. Yes. It's a pity that for some people, rather, the long time that they've been in the church becomes their disadvantage. Something that you're supposed to know more. I mean, how, can, how evil can something be that you can be in it for 20 years? <laughs> do, do you follow what I'm saying? That the, you've been in the thing for 20 years, you've been a member already. And based on something you have experienced in the last year or whatever, which you are unable to forgive or let go of, that's now displacing you. And now you are saying that the thing that you have been in for 20 years is evil. Come on. Hallelujah. That's why we need people who refresh us. Amen. We need people who encourage us. We need people who go the extra mile like this Onesiphorus. I don't know. I, my heart is very warmed when I read about him. You know, yeah, it says, but when he was in Rome, he was not ashamed of my chain. That means he was not embarrassed to be associated with me. And you must not be embarrassed to be associated with the church just because it's under persecution or when it's being persecuted. When you are among people and they are bad-mouthing the church and saying negative things about the church, that's your church. Yes, that's your church anyway. And, and embarrassing as it may feel, because people have a way of making you feel embarrassed to belong. You know what the church has meant to you and what a blessing it has been to you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. I belong on a couple of, um, you know, WhatsApp threads where you have people, and sometimes you can see that the people want to say something, but <laughs> they can't see that I'm around. <laughs> yeah. They, they know that there's one of them here, <laughs> so they can't exactly say, so they just post it. They post an article or something like that and just post it quietly and stand coolly and, and, no, and then the whole place goes quiet. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. No comment. Then someone breaks the silence with some joke. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't say such a thing and you should not. Hallelujah. Are you learning something from what I'm sharing with you? You need to know that there are 
people who specialize in speakings and saying things and casting the church in a bad light and making the man of God look silly and look not called and associating the church with evil and associating not only our church but some go further to make this whole serving of the Lord look stupid. Yes. Some make videos. Some criticize people for giving to the church. They make tithing look like it's a silly, idiotic thing to do. But they have their reward. Hallelujah. But as for this man, Onesiphorus. He says, the Lord give mercy unto his house, for he often refreshed me. Decide to become a refresher. Amen. 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 Decide to become a source of encouragement. Decide to become one of those who refresh the house and refresh the men of God, refresh the church, refresh the pastor, refresh our prophet, refresh the work by your encouragement and your participation and continued commitment to what is going on. Hallelujah. I don't know how you belong to a church where the leader who founded it is in prison. I I don't know how you even associate with something like that. But that's what this Onesiphorus was doing. He's in town and he said that Apostle Paul is in prison and he's looking for him. That's my pastor. That's my apostle. Do you see the thing? That's my pastor. That's my apostle. You see that it it will be a very dark period for the church. And it will make it look and seem and feel like God has departed from the church. Because at that point, it's not miracles. Yeah, there are no miracles happening at such a time. And people will start to wonder if it is the same church, if it is the God of that, 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 what do you call it? If if their God is a real God, why doesn't he work a miracle to deliver Paul from the prison? But you don't know that all these things are actually the working of God for he's working out his own purposes. Do you understand? Yeah. So doing that little bit more is what has earned this Onesiphorus a place in the Bible. In fact, I don't know where else his name is mentioned except in connection with this. Where the Bible mentions him in particular as somebody who refreshed the apostle. May you be a source of refreshment. Amen. Yes, may you always be an encouraging person. Amen. When you have the choice to add to the criticisms, choose not to add to it, but rather to be a source of refreshing. Amen. To be a source of refreshing. Choose not to add to the burdens of ministry, but rather be one of those who will alleviate those burdens. Amen. And be one of those who will encourage and who will speak positive things and 
help the work of God instead of discouraging those who are involved with it. And God is going to bless you. Say amen. amen. Well, stand to your feet and let's bring the service to a close. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you blessed by these two examples, chapter 7 and chapter 10? You can meditate on it when you go home. Amen. Yes. Onesiphorus and David. Can't you do a little bit more? You can. Hallelujah. Next time you travel to Ghana, you must go and visit the prophet. Yeah. You must be like Onesiphorus. And Onesiphorus, he says, Paul said he searched diligently. That means he took note of the effort. Isn't it? He took note of the effort that the guy made to find him. He wasn't easy to find. And sometimes when you go so if you travel to Ghana, for example, it may not be so easy to see the prophet because he's not expecting you. <laughs> it's not like he's sitting there waiting for you to come. <laughs> yes. Do you see? Yes. My wife told me one time when she traveled to Ghana, she went to, she said she went to say hello to the prophet. She saw him at 1.30 a.m. Yeah. Says after he's been meeting people and meeting people and meeting people. I mean, does it not even minister to you that even the person is willing to see you yeah. at 1.30 a.m.? That, that, that alone is even encouraging. Yeah. Do you understand? But you search diligently. You make a hard effort to see the person. And when you see him, you let him know, I am one of your sheep in such and such a place do you see and I just want to say thank you for starting a church in that place because it's through that that I've been blessed and my life has not been the same yes sometimes people need to know that we're quick to let people know what they're doing wrong or what we think they're doing wrong because whether it's wrong or not itself it's, it's a whole other thing but we're quick to let them know what about what they're doing right what about the blessing that they are? What about the difference their ministry has made in your life? Hallelujah. We must also let them know and refresh them and encourage them to keep doing it, to keep going, to keep sending missionaries, to keep sending people, to keep opening churches and opening branches and building buildings and doing things for God. Yes, appointing pastors. Yeah, to keep doing it. When we had some pastors and bishops who left us and caused a lot of confusion for us, I remember I had somebody say, you know, the church must stop at, at consecrating these bishops. <laughs> yeah, this was a person who was very frustrated by what was going on. He said, look, you see what they did to the church? Look at these people after the church has been good to them. The church must not make any more bishops. If the church doesn't make any more bishops because of the bad ones, 
we will not have the good ones also. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So that's why we have to continue. That's why we need to hear from those who are blessed by the ministry also. Amen. So we need to hear from them. Sometimes the good ones and those who are blessed by the ministry they are always more do you understand? They are always more. Like you take the apostles, there are 12 of them. Only one of them was offering Jesus for sale. But 11 of them believed in him, but they were quiet. <laughs> do you see? And one of them thought there's something not quite right with this man. And he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Just one of them. But the rest of them were blessed by his ministry only that they were quiet I pray that God will make us refreshers lift up your hand to the Lord everybody and just begin to pray and say Lord please make me one of the refreshers make me one of those not one of the critics for sure. No, Lord. I don't want to be one of the critics. I don't want to be one of those who criticize and tear down the church. I want to be one of those who are a blessing. I want to be a blessing to this work. I want to be a blessing to the church. I want to be a blessing to my pastor. I want to be a blessing to the prophet. I want to be a blessing and an encouragement to the brethren. In the name of Jesus. Everybody pray. Everybody just pray and say, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, can't you do just a little bit more? Ask the Lord to show you how you can do a little bit more. Yes in the areas and in the things that you are doing well how can you do a little bit more ask the Lord to give you a revelation of how you can do a little bit more Lord just a little bit more Lord just a little bit more just a little bit more Lord oh Jesus me call almost somebody Jesus we want to do a little bit more yes 
we want to go a little further a little further Lord a little further Lord a little more 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 yes Lord yes Lord Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in Jesus' name. Now, as we close the service, maybe you're watching us online or you're on the podcast, but you know in your heart that you're not saved. You haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. You are not sure if you die today whether you will go to heaven or not. We want to give you that opportunity to say a prayer that will change your eternal destiny. That will change what happens to you if you were to drop dead this afternoon. That prayer is the same prayer that I prayed many years ago and my life has never been the same and I know it will change your life too if only you would pray with sincerity I want you to say it with me and everybody join us as we say this prayer say Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner and you died for my sins Lord Jesus please come into my heart Forgive my sins, Lord. Let your blood wash me. And let your blood cleanse me. Make me a child of God. Say from today, I want to serve you. I give my life to you. Please come into my heart. Forgive my sins, Jesus. And write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Please write my name in your book of life. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be one of your children. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for anyone who has said this prayer with meaning. And I ask, Lord, that you will receive them into your kingdom. Because the Bible says, he that cometh to you, you will in no wise cast out. I pray, Lord, that you will send someone to them to water the seed of the word of God. And may their lives never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray everybody says amen. amen hallelujah put your hands together for the lord clap properly for jesus amen